This week on the show, my friend Colin Fitzgerald and I went to see Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets yesterday. We rushed home and recorded a conversation to capture our thoughts and our impressions. So let's get to it. episode, Colin and I had a, a really fascinating conversation about Valerian. Uh, I mean, I'll, 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 I'm not going to bury the lead. Neither of us really liked it, but there's a lot of layers of the movie that are well worth discussing, and some things about it that we both really loved. So it's a really interesting conversation, but uh, we kind of tore it apart because <laughs> it didn't necessarily fit or meet, meet expectations, I guess you could say. And the expectations for this movie for me were pretty simple. I mean, it was written and directed by Luke Besson, who uh, wrote and directed The Fifth Element. So I was excited. You know, I love The Fifth Element. I was really excited to see what he was up to now. But I knew nothing about the plot. I knew nothing about the cast or any of that kind of stuff going in. So I went in pretty blind. And you'll hear my reactions and Colin's reactions in just a few minutes. Before we get to that, I went to see a couple of movies recently, and I wanted to just give you my quick thoughts about what I've seen. Uh, just, you know, because these things are still in the theaters and I know some people are weighing whether or not they want to go see movies. And if my opinion means anything, then here it is. So I went to see two movies. I saw uh, two other movies besides Valerian. I saw Spider-Man Homecoming and The Dark Tower. So let's start with Spider-Man. So to become an Avenger, are there like trials or an interview? Do me a favor. Can't you just be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? I really liked it. You know, I really like Marvel movies. I really like Spider-Man movies in general. And I really liked this one as a Spider-Man movie. I felt like it was better than most of the Spider-Man movies that we've seen uh, in the last, what, 10 or 15 years since we've had three different reboots of the franchise. I really like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I think he's pretty incredible as the character. I mean, it really feels like the Spider-Man that I remember from childhood where I watched a lot of the cartoon. Uh, So yeah, I mean, overall, great movie that I really enjoyed, but um, it didn't really stick with me. And I don't really, I don't really know what I mean by that, but like the next day, I didn't have any positive, fun memories of the movie, you know, I enjoyed it just fine, but it didn't really leave a mark on me. And I think, uh, and other Spider-Man movies have left a mark. I guess that's the distinction here. Like Spider-Man 2, I love that movie. I thought that Spider-Man 2 was a goddamn brilliant movie and everything about it I loved. I mean, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock, that shit was fucking awesome. So I, you know, I I like connecting to Spider-Man movies. And then Spider-Man 3 was just garbage nonsense, and I was so mad. So I still kind of am looking for more good Spider-Man. Like, that's important to me. Uh, And this movie, I was really expecting to get that. I was expecting to kind of feel like, oh, my God, this is the Spider-Man that I've been looking for or something like that. And I, I kind of felt that way, but not enthusiastically. I mean, it hit all the beats that I wanted it to hit, and it was a nice, good, feel-good movie. But I never, I don't know. 
I never really felt the sense of risk or of danger from the vulture as a as a bad guy, and I wasn't very deeply invested in what was happening on the screen besides just enjoying it and having fun. And I usually get pretty invested in Marvel movies. Uh, I actually just watched Doctor Strange a couple weeks ago when my mom was visiting, and I fucking loved it. I loved it. It was the first time I'd seen it. You know, it's got its problems, and, and it's like popcorn action movie or whatever, but I loved it. I thought it was thrilling. It was so much fun to watch. I liked the story a hell of a lot. I really thought that Benedict Cumberbatch did a great job, and I loved the visuals. I mean, it was just so mind-bending and cool and interesting, and it was like Inception if Inception was incepted. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and Spider-Man Homecoming felt good to me. Like, I, it felt good. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm like a 75 ish or higher percent on this movie, but I just wasn't enthusiastic about it. And that kind of made me sad because I like being enthusiastic about, about, you know, Marvel movies or just any big budget movie that I go see. I mean, I love this type of shit. I want to be excited. I want to leave the theater like, like I just saw Rogue One for the first time and I'm flipping out because Darth Vader is fucking pounding down the hallway. Like that's what I want. And there was no particular scene in Spider-Man Homecoming that gave me that feeling like my heart was racing and I was into it. Like in Ant-Man when they're, you know, falling in the suitcase, I was like like hooting and hollering is the only way to describe what I was doing. I was so into it. And as much as I like Spider-Man, it didn't have any moments that reached a level of, of that sort of excitement for me. Uh, and most of the Marvel movies do. So that kind of surprised me a little bit. Maybe I'm just getting older and more jaded or something. I don't know, but I don't know. I, I'm interested about your thoughts. If you guys want to tweet at me at sci-fi project, uh, I'm curious what you think about this movie. If I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too harsh on it. Anyway, so Spider-Man, good movie. Go see it. I liked it, but I wasn't super in love with it. I do not aim at my hand. He who aims with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I aim with my eye. I do not shoot with my hand. I shoot with my mind. So let's talk about Dark Tower, uh, just for a couple minutes here. I have read the whole series, the book series by Stephen King, and I adored it. I mean, adored it. I loved it so much. It was so uneven. There's points in it where I'm just like, come on, Stephen King. Like, come on, Stephen King. Let's get through this part and get to the next part. But then you get to the next part. And it's like, oh, my God, this is the most important thing I've ever read. You know, like if someone if someone says Katet or like thank you, Sai, to me, I get chills and shivers. I get so excited. So I I really love the series. Uh, Sarah, uh, my best friend, Sarah, who's been on the show many times loves it even more than I do. She's read it multiple times. She's really, really, really into it. It's very important to her. It's a hard movie to talk about as a fan because the, basically it's been advertised that this is not an adaptation. This is a continuation of the story. Uh, and if you're not a fan, you don't understand what that means. If you are a fan, you do, and it's something that you love about this, probably. <laughs> Although I'm sure that the fandom is divided, because I think some fans probably do want a direct adaptation of the books. I am someone who wants a continuation, uh, and I, I won't explain what that means, besides the fact that uh, the story starts fresh for like when you watch this movie the story starts fresh you don't know that it's a continuation of anything it's just like you meet the characters who are meeting each other and that's all that really matters uh and i think that that's a great decision because it kind of opens up the filmmakers to do whatever they want to do it's kind of like uh you know wiping out the 
like Star Wars Expanded Universe before The Force Awakens came out. If you want to tell a big epic story on the big screen, you know, you can't be tied down too much because the demands of the big screen are so much different than the demands of writing a novel. And Stephen King's novels are so convoluted and complex and just interlocking layers of story and character upon each other where The Dark Tower kind of weaves in and out of all these other books that he's written. And it's mind-blowing and fascinating and incredible and it's so wonderful to dive into that as a reader and I'm just such a huge fan of that world that he's created even though I mean I've read uh, probably between like 10 to 15 Stephen King books I would guess uh, which is like such a small percentage of what's out there and I mean of what I read some of it I adored and some of it I'm like I could have not read that and been fine so even I mean he's just he's very inconsistent but when he hits it he like knocks it out of the park so what I really wanted to feel from the Dark Tower was a sense of that world and a, a sense of the bigger world of Stephen King, uh, a sense of the the real world magic that he has sort of incorporated into the Dark Tower where uh, it's, it's a fantasy story, but it feels so gritty and real and it feels more like a science fiction fantasy than just a straight fantasy. Like if you ever, if you had to sit down and describe how things in the Dark Tower work, like traveling between worlds and the tower itself and the beams connected to it like you can describe it but it doesn't quite make sense you know it it doesn't quite sit into science but but for someone who loves science and loves science fiction it makes sense enough that you buy into the magic of the world and the the abilities of the gunslinger and you know what it means to be uh what it means to have the world have moved on and the world is kind of slowly spinning down to a stop because the world has moved on like all of those concepts are so fascinating and wonderful and incredible and i felt some of it in the movie i mean i really did like i there were several times throughout the movie where I looked at Idris Elba and I was like, oh my God, it's Roland. Like, that is Roland. And I looked at uh, the kid who played Jake and I was like, that's Jake. I mean, Roland and Jake are like walking and talking to each other and bouncing between worlds in a way that they didn't in the books, which makes perfect sense within the story to me as a fan. And I was like, I think I kind of love this. You know, I kind of loved it. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. I've only seen it once. I'm going to go back and see it again and with Sarah and we're going to do a podcast about it. Because, uh, I mean, Sarah knows so much more. She remembers so much more about the Dark Tower story than I do. I remember, you know, a, a huge amount of it, but it's just so complicated. And I've, I, I've forgotten, you know, a good like 30 or 40% of what happened. But there's still so much story in my mind. Uh, like, I'm, you know, I'm very passionate about the Dark Tower. I wrote a song, uh, Oh Susanna, that I think I've played on this show in the past uh, about that series because I was so immersed in the second book in particular the drawing of the three so so the the movie i mean the movie really follows its own story but what i liked about it is that it kind of, it was just all about Roland and Jake and their relationship and the first book in the series really rotates around that relationship you know all the rest of Roland's quartet are not present in the first book they weren't present in the first movie i heard people complaining about that online like where's Eddie and and uh, Susanna and Oi and i was like oh my god where are Eddie Susanna and Oi if they're going to be in New York we should see Eddie but uh but what i'd forgotten is that like the first they're not in the first book you know this is the first movie and even though it picked from things that were from all of the books you know like the to the tahane the tahin those weird dudes that wore skin that were like animals inside i mean they they are from later books if i'm remembering correctly and i was surprised to see them but i recognize them in this version of the story um and it just felt like 
almost fan fiction for this thing that I'm such a fan of, but fan fiction on this big level where it could maybe, you know, maybe catch on for someone who didn't know the world. So that all being said, uh, I'm very surprised by the reviews. It seems like people really hate this movie and they just talk about how terrible it is. And I'm I'm really surprised by that. I mean, there is an element of childish fantasy to this movie that I could see maybe people reading as just it being childish. Like it reminded me so much of the never ending story, which I didn't expect uh, because the story was told more from the perspective of Jake, who is a child than Roland, who is the adult gunslinger. And the first book is definitely from Roland's point of view. And uh, you know, Jake, it's like their roles were reversed where you kind of like experience the book from Roland's point of view. And Jake comes into his story uh, much in the way that Roland comes into Jake's story in this movie. So they were kind of reversed in that way. And that was interesting to me. So maybe telling the story from a kid's point of view, maybe that alienated some people because they thought it was childish somehow. That's the only thing I could really think of. There are some weird plot holes. Um, I, I think that Matthew McConaughey really didn't do much for me as the man in black. I mean, the man in black is such a menacing figure in the books and they always describe him as having this rictus grin, which I kind of imagine like the Joker on the cover of the killing joke. If you, if you've read that before, uh, that's how I was picturing the man in black. And, uh, this guy who just takes utter delight and glee in being evil, evil, evil. And I didn't get that from Matthew McConaughey. I, he was just like this kind of cool, like suave, uh, like mystical wizard who was evil. And that didn't feel like Randall Flagg to me, you know, or like Walter to me, uh, Walter O'Dim. This, this man who goes by many different names in all of the Stephen King universe, he's such a big deal as far as bad guys go. I mean, he's the same bad guy in The Stand under a different name. So spoilers, I'm sorry. So uh, Matthew McConaughey was offered both parts, Roland or The Man in Black, and he chose The Man in Black. And I was so excited about that. I thought he was going to bring some like gripping tension to the role because I really like Matthew McConaughey. But it seemed just kind of like a generic bad guy to me. And I think that that really sort of did a disservice to the story and to the film. But um, he's the only of the main three characters that didn't feel right to me because Roland felt right and Jake felt right. And two out of three ain't bad. And what I really connect to in The Dark Tower is the characters. And if two out of three of those characters seem like present to me in this movie, even if it's a completely different story than what the books were and what I loved, I was pretty thrilled about that. So... I'm like, one viewing down, I'm really on board. I'm really, 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 really wanting a second movie because I read an uh, interview with the filmmaker who said that the second movie would kind of follow the story of the drawing of the three, which is when you get Eddie and Susanna brought into the story. And uh, just two of my absolute favorite characters, Eddie Dean in particular, one of my favorite characters in any story. Um, actually my song, Oh Susanna is written from Eddie Dean's perspective. So I really, really, really love that character. And I want to see him in a movie. I want it so bad. And I want it to be with Idris Elba and, uh, as Roland and this guy who played Jake, the kid who played Jake, I, they were just such great representations of those two characters. So I'd love to move forward and see, uh, what else they can do with this world because it's so rich and it really opens up in book two. So you know, if this is the first movie, this is the first movie. It's based off the first book. The first book is probably the least uh, colorful and interesting of the of all the eight books. Even though I love it because it's like you know 
it's weirdly stark uh, in a way that's really fascinating and kind of works with the story once you know what's happening with the whole world and everything that I won't get into. But uh, but this is the first movie. So if this is like the stark version of the world, which I kind of felt like it was. I mean, we saw a little bit of Midworld. We saw some of New York, but we and we saw like the portals and a lot of the, the stuff that we didn't see till book two in in the series. But but as far as character interactions, it was very sparse. Uh, you know, it's just Roland and Jake really kind of building a bond. And I loved that because that to me is what the first book is about also is like, what is the bond between Roland and Jake? Because that connection is what really informs you on Roland as a character and and moving forward with the story. It's very important. So seeing them focus on that in this movie, but do it in their own way as a continuation of what was originally done fantastic, wonderful. I'm into it. Let's have more. So please go watch the movie so that they will continue to make these. Cause I, you know, I'm going to go see it again. I want to make sure that they are getting some ticket sales. Cause it doesn't sound like they're doing that well. Uh, I mean, it seems like it's kind of a, considered a box office flop, but it's still making a good amount of money. And if it can cross a certain threshold, maybe they'll make a sequel. And international box office has a lot to do with that these days, but it's still in theaters. So go see it uh, with my recommendation. Um, knowing that, you know, there, there are flaws with it for sure. And most of it I felt like was in the sort of presentation of evil that just didn't really hit home. Um, Matthew McConaughey being a big part of that. And just like the whole evil scheme, um, feeling a little schmaltzy in a way that I didn't really care for, but it did not take me out of the movie. It did not pull me out of the world. I was still super into it the whole way through. Uh, wasn't wild about the final, final battle, but there, you know, there was, I, I liked 80, 85% of this movie. And I felt more passionately connected to it than I did to Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, if that, you know, helps you at all and make a decision on what to go see. So anyway, the rest of this episode is going to be all about Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. My friend Colin Fitzgerald and I went to see it together. Uh, it was a brutally, brutally hot day, but we still braved the heat, came back to my apartment and recorded a podcast. So this one has a little bit of background noise. Uh, I did keep a fan on during the recording and keep the door open because it was just too goddamn hot. Sometimes I try to take out background noise with a noise gate, but this time it just, there was a little too much background noise. So I just left it in so you can hear the hot day behind us. Actually, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if I even like that better than, than trying to make it silent in the background. And then I wonder if anyone else actually cares. Uh, probably not. Anyway, Let's jump into my discussion with Colin about Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Spoiler warning, all plot points will be on the table. So if you don't like spoilers, maybe don't listen to the rest of this till after you've seen the movie. And for the rest of you, let's dive in. Welcome to Alpha. The City of a Thousand Planets. Where for hundreds of years, every species has shared their knowledge and their intelligence with each other. It's paradise. Amazing. Colin Fitzgerald, welcome to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. Hi. First time. First time. First timer. <laughs> first timer. My, my first time for this, not for a lot of other things, though. I, yeah. yeah. First. Have you podcasted before? Uh, I haven't actually. So actually first time sitting down with you and podcasting. So yeah. 
And today's like, I mean, we've known each other for a while, but today's while the first now. time we've ever hung out. We like actually hung out. Like, just the two of us. Yeah, like, I've exactly. seen you at parties and shit. Yeah. And, and like, I see you at work. I've like hung out with you like at the bar, I think yeah, once or twice. Totally. You've seen me at my work, but yeah. We have mutual friends. Yeah. And then. Tons of Mewchies. I was in Trader Joe's and I was like, uh, a long time ago, like nine months ago, first brought up the idea of you coming over for a podcast and then it just yeah, never happened. never happened, yeah. Because that's one of those things, it's a very Seattle thing to do. It's like, let's do this thing and then just don't do it, you know? It's And then talk totally about it Seattle, every yeah. time you see each other for the next, like, two years and never do it. But we did it. We, like, we, we broke the cycle. Today. You were we really good on today. the follow-up, too. You <laughs> really you. made it happen because I was like, you know, if, if you didn't like text me i was gonna text you but you did text me and you i was like okay, okay i had a doing, feeling you're gonna you seem like someone where I was if you it. say you're gonna do yeah, something you exactly. actually do it well and i wanted to see valerian so yeah you know, I'm really yeah we rekindled this idea like two weeks ago yeah. and then it happened within a couple of weeks it's fabulous which is amazing I'm so excited. yeah we just went to see valerian and the city of a thousand planets Woo. <laughs> <laughs> so man we, uh, we put a moratorium on discussion on this movie until we got home, mm-hmm. and I'm, like, bursting at the seams. I have a lot to say. I have a lot to say. But let's just start with, I just, what did you think? Um, like, do you want my, like, rotten tomatoes on it? Or, like, do you want, like, a, just, like, what I thought? I want, like, your opinion on whether or not it was a good movie. Mm. Okay, I think as like, uh, like, yes and no. I think it was like a it was like entertaining. There was like a lot of moments with like the graphics and um and the the energy of it. It was really fun. It was a fun movie, but I don't think it was like that good, to be honest. Yeah. I don't. And um, you know, being so my expectation was to come into this as like a second fifth element because this was the director of Maybe fifth the element. sixth element. Or the even the seventh element. element. Something. Maybe. It was it was it was an element for sure. Yeah. Um but you know, it wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting, you know, because the fifth element was so it, it's still so timeless and it just like really speaks to so many audiences and it was just so uh its own thing. And yeah. this, you know, and and for me, I have like a big interest in fashion. And the entire yeah. fifth element movie was designed like all the costumes was designed by Jean Paul Gaultier and like mm. and this movie <laughs> using it's so great. It's yeah. like a wonderful it's it's the only sci-fi movie I can think of that is also a fashion show. It is a fashion. A cool the whole way. thing was a fashion show, and so I thought having like Ruby Rod, you can't you can't beat that. It's so great. It was it was it was like ahead of its time, like when it came out, and it's still like ahead of its time. Yeah, and it's still like the message of it is still repeating, and um, it's so amazing. And so when you have like a fashion, like a current really hot fashion model like Cara Delevingne playing like the a, like one of the lead roles. And is that who was uh, so Cara Delevingne? The um, there was Valerian, and then what's the girl's name? Uh, I forget. Illyria, Lyria, or something like Le- that. Yeah, that's Cara Delevingne, and so she's okay. like a really hot fashion model right now. Yeah, and you know Rihanna being in it, who's like also yeah. really big in fashion, and you know the costuming was really ornate. So I was expecting to be like a kind of like a repeat of like, but like you know a newer version of like Fifth Element, and it totally fell short. Yeah, and I um, I what? wasn't I wasn't that impressed. What fell short for you? Um. The acting, <laughs> the yeah. acting, like Valerian himself, Valerian and uh, and Lyria, or you know, Cara Delevingne's character. The two of them, well, they were. I'm they gonna were, look up her name because it's driving me crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, keep talking. Keep, I'm, I'm with you. The two of them, they just um, their rapport wasn't really there, and I just felt it was kind of stiff at some points, yeah. and it was just a little cheesy, 
And it was, um, there was just like a lot of those like one liners that I don't really want to see in like a movie sometimes. (laughs) Totally. Like, like, you know, when she's all like, oh, he ripped my dress. Dang it. You know, like it was just like, girl, this is not the time to talk about that. Like you wouldn't say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's just a couple, a couple moments that were just kind of cheesy and not campy in a fifth element way. Just like kind of campy in like a, this is kind of corny way, you know? Yeah. I, so I really wanted to like it. Like I, you know, me too. Like you, I was kind of thinking about Fifth Element coming into it. Like expectatious, I think. Yeah, it's like bit. it's Luke Besson, it's sci-fi. We've like one of his sci-fi movies is kind of this touch point for like cultural aesthetic for how people think about science fiction. Like the Fifth mm-hmm. Element was a huge deal when it came out, you know. Uh, so, like the weirdness of that movie was so amazing, and like the particular universe that he created was so amazing in fifth element and i think that there was a lot of that in valerian yeah in the design of the alien species yeah which was amazing and as a sci-fi as a sci-fi nerd i was like totally geeking out on that like planet mule like the people from that planet oh my god the the people from the planet with like like the conch shell is where they yeah. live or whatever. Like on the sandy beaches. Holy shit. Everything was so gorgeous. Holy shit. It was, it was incredible. That was really fun to watch. That yeah. Part. I think that that was the funnest part. Too. I loved it. Like the yeah. whole story with mule. I really loved like the, yeah. the weird, like the core of the sci-fi story was the, this, this species has been destroyed as like the casualty of a war between humans and someone else. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. So, and that sci-fi story was interesting to me, but that's like, that's like 10% of the movie. Uh, maybe maybe 15 or 20 and like 70 percent of the movie is just running around with valerian and and his girl whose name we can't remember yeah i think it's it's like it's like illyria or something like that. i think it's yeah illyria sounds right i was there and i yeah and i stopped forgettable performance laureline we were so wrong (laughs) (laughs) so something something along illyria isn't that the girl from uh angel isn't that what uh oh my god fred Never mind. I don't, yeah, it's something like that. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to know where we make got spoilers from. for yeah. Angel. Okay, so Laureline, yeah. yeah. So Valerian and Laureline were terrible characters. Absolutely, they, they were boring, stiff, flat, uninteresting characters who were actually kind of actively dislikable. I thought. I thought so too. Yeah. And I really kind of identified with the mule species. I'm like, I like them as characters. I, they are so interesting to me. Like this really advanced society who. Uh, is able to let go of all this hatred and pain, you know, to move forward. I'm like, that's a really cool story, but it's completely overshadowed by the, by the terrible, terrible story, the love story between Valerian and Loreline. I fucking hated it. It was just so juvenile. It was so dumb. The concept, like the concept of the mule people and like the, the mule species was so sophisticated as a storyline and it could have been so bomb. But then we have this like teen Vogue edition of like this acting that just seemed so like, okay, this is like a kid's movie now, or like it's really childish and it takes like this really sophisticated sci-fi concept (laughs) of what these, the the species and what happened and the whole concept of the thousand planets all linking. Like I I loved it. It was so fascinating. And it sucks that the movie had to be ruined by the two lead characters. Yeah. And it really was. And it was just a childish plot that could have been really sophisticated and very fun. Totally. And it also just seemed like, you know, the two of them, they seem like teenagers and they're I like, know, and they're, they're trying did. to get married and consummate their shit. They and like, seem like they were 18 years old. And it's just like, yeah. How old was, were they supposed to be? I don't fucking. I, I thought they were brother and sister when I saw the commercials because yeah. I didn't know shit about this. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, they're, they're a couple. Oh, 
That, I have to adjust to that because I've been assuming they were brother and sister for six months since yeah. I saw the first preview. The commercial was a lot hotter than the movie. <laughs> yeah, but there, there were moments where I was like completely immersed and there yeah. were moments where I was really blown away by the world building. And mm-hmm. I normally... I normally don't like movies that are all CGI like this, and I think that that actually still kind of kept me from liking this movie, but it wasn't as bad. Like, I, the yeah. beauty of the CG and the beauty of the environments and the detail work that went into creating all the environments was really captivating to me. It was magical. Me. Yeah. yeah, but I still had the issue where, like, when there's a, a bunch of humans on a soundstage and everything else is fake... You can kind of see that sometimes. You can see, like, when she was holding, like, the little character and her hand was, like, cupped over. It was so stiff. Like, it didn't yeah. even match up or anything like that. There was a couple moments where, like, weird things happened with production value. Because mm-hmm. the movie looked incredible. Like, yeah. it looked insanely good. But then there was a couple of times where there was ADR, like, uh, uh, I think it's called, that's, like, additional dialogue recording. I think that's what it stands for. Yeah. Where they have people record stuff later and then put it over the film and then sometimes like people's mouths won't match with what they're saying. I noticed that when they're on it the beach. It happened a couple of times. Did you notice that when they're on the beach? And, at the end? And she was like, oh yeah. She's like, at least we're on a beach but her mouth wasn't Totally. Moving. It was, was to- like, like they wrote that line so later. So cheesy. They and wrote it, that horrible line later and replaced whatever she said on the like, day or whatever. I don't know what happened. The but day that happened, yeah. There was, was, a, there was a couple of weird holes and a couple of, of like CG effects that looked really fake out of nowhere it's like they didn't finish rendering a couple of things or something like that yeah but but then the rest of it was this like lush gorgeous environment was that was so thrilling to watch but i was just so frustrated by the fucking story like the like was the a two, story it was is two stories competing for each other yeah and there's an a and a b story for exactly. sure exactly valerian and, and uh loreline are the a story which sucks yes. because the b story is what i was interested in i had the exact same experience and, and the movie yeah. could have done without and you know um and you know i, I love the the mule people because the the cg on it was like kind of um it was really reminiscent to me of like avatar yeah totally do you know what i mean like the same style i, I was thinking i was thinking this is what i wanted to see in avatar you exactly. know exactly I, I didn't like avatar that no, much hell no <laughs> it was four fucking hours of like james cameron stroking off and i'm like calm down i can't do yeah, this totally but this movie was so fascinating and with 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 the b story with the with the mule yeah, people with the mule. and yeah. and um having to see and there were some issues that i had with with cara delavine and this the guy um valerian you know yeah. um What's her name again? Lorelai. <laughs> Lorelai and Valerian. You know, their whole little love story. And it's like, it was so transparent from the first scene. <laughs> I know. Let's talk about this. Okay. Like, okay. This, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the core of why let's, this movie failed to me. This, let's break it down. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that, that came off harsher than I mean. I, I enjoyed the movie. You know, I. Yeah. I would recommend seeing it. In yeah. 3D. I would go see it. Go see it in the 3D. theater because it's, it's gloriously beautiful. But, yeah. but what really failed inside of that to me was the love story mm-hmm. where it's like, let, let's just like brainstorm for, for we have three minutes we have to come up with a male character and right. a female character and the relationship that they're in is having trouble what's it gonna be it's gonna be that the guy uh, his like the guy has commitment issues and his checkered past is like making the woman afraid to be with him and oh my God. like seriously it was like there wasn't a single original word spoken it was it all was, they could have cut and pasted every single movie you know what totally I mean? and there it was, was just nothing so transparent there was nothing that even seemed even remotely unique to this mm-hmm. story or to these characters and it just left them feeling like empty voids like the only conversation they really have with each other throughout the movie is about their relationship but it's all so contrived and so shallow that i never cared no and that's <laughs> what made it stiff from the very beginning and the funnest parts for me was when i saw her like 
kind of sticking up to him or just being like, fuck off. Or, you know what I mean? Like, just like, yeah, you know, I don't, I enjoyed that too. You know, like she was a better character than he was. She was, which sucks. And his name, and he's got his name on the movie, which is weird. And I'm like, you are an awful character. Yeah. He's a bad person. Like he's no, he's not even likable. Yeah. And there was, I don't even know what his point of view is. There was no resolution. There was no resolution to it. You know, he starts off as this like, you know, ladies, man, secret agent spy for the government, future government. And, and he's like this, this bad boy. And to be real, it's like, if you're going to cast a bad boy, like make him actually look like one. Cause he was, he looked like fucking Frankie Muniz when he was 15. Like he's like, it was weird. It was so prepubescent. And he looked too young. He looked looked too young. young. Both of them did. Yeah, totally. Because they are too young. I never believed the story that they're like some secret agents of some kind. I I never even got onto that train. I never got on board with that because they so young. Agent Cody Banks. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, everyone, I kept being surprised. I thought that they were like adventure teens. That's what I thought from the commercial. Yeah, some spy kid shit. Yeah, Yeah. totally. In like this crazy world. I'm like, that sounds cool, but they're they're like government agents that, I don't know, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, so so going back to like their relationship and like what was going on with it, I really didn't like that because it really took away from the really cool sci-fi storyline of what was going on with that species. But then also... You know, I just, I'm so overseeing the really standardized male, female role, falls in love. And there was like um, a couple like, you know, like, like misogynistic, like, you know, undertones to like a lot of the things where... You know, in the end, she's just going to fall for him anyway because she really has hope. I know. And, and when you see it being set up, you, like you're that. like, please don't do it. Well, please don't do it. And then the they female. did it anyway. Yeah. It's like, it, it seemed out of touch to me. Like I, I felt like the emotional content of the story was very out of touch. Yes, 100%. There yeah. was no connection between the two of them. And they set it up to be that way anyway. And it just, yeah. it kind of sucks. And like a they're lot of, supposed to be cold and heartless people. Yeah. I didn't want to see them fall in love. I just wanted to see like a resolution with these people. Yeah. And, you know, instead they're just focusing on like when they're going to get a bone in. And I'm just like, this is so lame. And also there was, so there was like that one scene, there was something when he was, this is a spoiler, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'll put when, a spoiler warning up front. Okay. For sure. Okay. But there was like a scene when he was all like, the princess is inside of me. And she was yeah. like, there's been a woman inside of you. I know. Like, and I was like, shut up, girl. Like, you're, you like, you're like your own internalized misogyny is coming out. And it was just like so bad. It was, it was just, very obviously like all written by a man. By like, a man. By, by yeah. a man who did not consult a woman about how no, to write female characters. It was Because there's like two female characters in the movie. Okay. The other one is Rihanna. And okay. Can we talk about this? Let's because talk about Because this was this the whole was, reason I agreed to go see this movie is because I wanted to see Rihanna. Oh my God. I had no idea she was in it. That was the craziest decision I could possibly. I think heard of. you laugh when she came on, like you snickered because <laughs> you were. It was like the last thing I think because you didn't know that, right? Well, I saw her name in the credits in the beginning, but I didn't know how she fit into the movie at all. At all, right? I don't remember. I mean, if I saw her in the trailer, I forgot because my memory is terrible. Everything with her was so rushed, and I'm assuming it's because they couldn't afford to pay her for too much time in the movie. Yeah. But, you know, just like her character just kind of came out of nowhere and just have such a big name play that really insignificant role of like seven minutes long in the film. It was, it it felt so much like a publicity stunt. It was so publicity stunt. What they did with her was, I thought, I, I was, I don't know, I don't know how to feel about this. I was very much bothered by how they used Rihanna in yes. this movie. Like, th- she's supposed to be this, uh, well, she is this creature who can look like anything, and she's basically working out of a 
like a sex parlor in some nasty part of town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so she's putting on a show for Valerian, who we are we know is having struggling issues with commitment with Loreline women, and yeah. then he gets all turned on by watching Rihanna turn into all these different versions of what humans are supposed to like, which was like. I don't know. I mean, inside of this movie where, like, looking at things from other c- cultures' perspectives was such a big part of the movie. Yeah. Felt weird to me. Uh, me too. It just felt like, oh, this is, like... Th- I couldn't tell if the filmmaker wanted it to be, like, exciting or to be, like, a, an indictment of what's wrong with our society. And I think he wanted it to be exciting. I think how it's reading to us is the latter. However, I think this... You know, this filmmaker obviously wrote this piece in to be like exciting and fun, and it's Rihanna, and look at her sexy body, yeah, and look at all the look different, at her like look at all the different ways that she can also the um the really obvious stunt doubling and the CGI with like her when she was like twisting around on the pole because it was clearly not her, and there was like all these cutscenes of like oh you I could, I thought it was her that, no that conf- I there was like tons of times you that. could tell it wasn't even her face and they like oh. kept like there was only like three moments in the movie where you even saw her face because then like they like <laughs> they like did her voiceover with yeah the, with, she turned into like a CGI character she turned into like this blue alien she that turned is into like, one of those people from that uh, movie about emotions what was that oh inside. My God. Wait, what? What is that movie? <laughs> I don't know what that movie is. It came. I'm. I'm descri- I'm sure I'm describing it. Wrong. I didn't see it, but I heard it was really good. Mindy Kaling was in it. It's a Pixar this is movie, a newer movie. Yeah, yeah, where people are like the characters are different emotions. Inside oh of the yeah, body. I know what you're talking What's about. What's that called? Um, is it called Inside Out or something like that? Is it? I don't know. That sounds like what it is. This is my bad memory. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, she turned into like a little like CGI like Pixar blob. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to get at here. They, they basically like voiced over her you know did her voice yeah. over this like cgi pixar blob so she was on set one day and one then did day, voiceover exactly. one day like that's, and that's all, that's all they, they had her for, her for. But, but then the plot kind of turns on her because valerian is supposed to sort of i felt like they were trying to say that valerian was finding his humanity because he finally cared about someone because mm-hmm. he didn't care about anyone in the first half of the movie including apparently loreline yeah. and then maybe he treats her better towards the end because of that but it was so like so contrived well even and, his his caring for for Bubble, Bubble, which, which is Rihanna's character, character's name. Which I liked. That was a cute name. It was a cute name. But even his caring for Bubble came from a selfish place of, yeah. you know, trying to get what he wanted. And he right. was just going to use her. And the thing that I didn't like is they totally did use Bubble. And she, like, put her life on the line for them. And she and was protected killed. them. And yeah. then she died. And that was the end of the cameo. And then, you know, it was really funny because I follow Rihanna on Instagram. Uh-huh. And every single movie premiere, like, she's, like, right there. Like, she's the main star. Right. Like, with, with Cara Delevingne. And she's, like, it was a total publicity stunt. It was so obvious. Her name was so plastered on the movie. And they did it to just really, I think, get a lot of hype and buzz for it for a plot that I think was really um, lacking. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, though, because Bubble was the most interesting of that trio, you know? That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, I mean, as a character, yeah, uh, like Valerian and Aquaphor, I forgot her name again, uh, <laughs> Loreline, yeah. uh, was like... Bubble was like so much more interesting than either of them, you know? So I would have rather seen Valerian, you know, even though Valerian was a worse actor, like he was a little bit stiffer. I would have rather seen Valerian rescue Bubble and then they team up and like take everything. I would have rather <laughs> yeah. seen that than the two, the I would have rather love seen story. Valerian and Loreline accidentally maybe die and then Bubble goes on. Saves save the, the day. shit, yeah. <laughs> or maybe um, Loreline, you know, having it be like a female lead sure. and leaving Valerian out of it and like, 
Yeah, you know, I think calling the film bubble. (laughs) I think like the, and I I don't know the source material for this movie. It's I think it's a graphic novel. Yeah, that's all I know is that it's a graphic novel. But I don't know anything about the story, and maybe this this story was hamstrung by its source material. But I have no idea. I mean, I would assume that the source material is held in high regard. Otherwise, why would they, like, why? How could they possibly adapt it? You know, yeah. Like, how could they get the money to adapt it if there wasn't a fan base for the original work? I guess I mean Luke Besson is a name, but I. Wonder, but anyway, so I I wonder if like this part of the story, the part that I really didn't connect to, which was the characters themselves. Like, I wonder if that came from the source material or if that was in the, the script itself. Like, maybe they're yeah. great in the source material, and the script is just yeah. Empty. I wonder what the fans think. You know, like fans of the graphic novel. You know, and I wonder yeah. what their take is on it because maybe they're dying for it. Maybe they love it. You know, because maybe this is so true. Yeah, because unfortunately, this didn't make me want to dive into that. It didn't no. make me want to know anything about the source no, material. I'm over it. Yeah, you know, I, I would rather a story of redemption with with the 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 creatures of mule and you know that whole that whole scenario was so much more fascinating yeah. and you know like like we were talking about you know i think that this movie would have been really fun in 4d um <laughs> which is you know if you don't know what that is it's kind of like an amusement park ride in the theater it's kind of crazy but you know with the 3d it would it would have been really fun and exciting yeah and instead you know we we saw it regular it was still really exciting to watch either way but i think if you go and see it in 3d you'll be more entertained by the by the graphics of it all as opposed to focusing on the cheesy storyline right and it's kind of it's kind of like a toxic storyline. It's kind of misogynist. It is and, toxic. Yeah. And there's a lot of like um, undertones of just you know, the man is going to get his way in the end, and yeah. he can be misogynist and date all these women, but she'll actually fall for him because he does what she says once. You know. I felt the exact same way. I was re- I was kind of flabbergasted by that. It just felt so. It just felt so wrong. It's like, wait, why did you do that? Like, why why is this the choice that you made inside of this beautiful universe that you created? Why is that? like the emotional backbone of the movie. I mean, it just seemed crazy. I I couldn't even believe it. Just from a storytelling standpoint, it just seemed like such the wrong choice for everything else that was happening in the movie. And it's, to me, I felt like the B story was all about humanity kind of grappling with its xenophobia and trying to, you know, like reach out to other cultures. And like the whole opening sequence was amazing where they're like meeting people from other cultures on earth and shaking hands and then eventually meeting other cultures from other planets and shaking hands. Like it was goofy, but I it really liked goofy, it. Goofy, but it, I, there was, it was a message such a cool there. setup. Yeah. Well, and the underlying message, you know, um, talking about the genocide of these creatures, you know, it's, I mean, that to me is the only progressive thought process that they're having on this because the rest of it is really kind of outdated in their, in their sci-fi viewpoints. I'm like, okay, like I get that there's a male and a female lead. Like, you know, there's redemption for these, for this civilization that, you know, um, was completely destroyed through, you know, self-preservation of the human race. However, there was another thing that I noticed was the fact that not only are you going to have Rihanna uh-huh. in this in this movie for publicity and for a really poorly cast um, small moment of the movie where they completely use her. She also is the only person of color in this entire fucking movie. That's a good point. There was only white people and then the only other people of color were two Asian people who were the subordinates to the general yeah. and they literally just did everything he said and there was like an Asian woman and an Asian man standing on his side at all times and they're like hi yes sir you know yeah. what I mean like the entire time and it was just and there, there was like one authority figure who was 
also black who you he never was, met yeah he was like only in a video screen he was only Except in a video screen scene. and that was like that was like the poc representation in the movie where either it was lacking there was no story arc with with any of them you literally don't even meet this this is supposed to be like the prime minister and he is you know a black man on a video screen that they're reporting to and you see him like maybe four or five times and then the other character who got so much media buzz is rihanna um you know, as a black woman, she is honestly the only one who dies. And it just... Yeah, the only one that you have an emotional connection that, that to. That you have an emotional connection dies. to. And it's literally Valyrian using her. Right. And she protects them. Yeah. Like, and to me, I'm just like, literally, she takes on all this emotional labor, all of this baggage that she has nothing to do with. Yeah. And then she just dies for them. And it's just so fucked up. And then, like, having Rihanna prance around in this, like, really misogynist viewpoint yeah. of, what a, of what a sexy stripper is supposed to look like to tease a man and how he is such a hero for overcoming his own sexual desires when he's really you know what I mean totally when he sat through that performance yeah I'm like yeah. I'm so proud of you Valerian you know what I mean yeah it was I, just really it was really it was really outdated in the viewpoints and I would have been really much more involved with these characters if there was just something that was a little bit more progressive about them and yeah. less transparent and less predictable than oh, okay they're gonna end up in a spaceship and fuck at the end like yeah. okay it's so weird because there was it, they were on one hand telling a story about how humanity has improved in the future. Right. But on the other hand, what you see on the ground with the only characters that you get to know is that humanity still sucks. Yeah. You know, like all of our, all of our interpersonal issues that are holding our society back are, are alive and present in this world. Mm -hmm. So that makes it even more shocking that any good can happen ever, but it makes it less shocking that, you know, this, this horrible general who looks at the, the mule people as like, you know, savages and doesn't care about killing them. It makes it more believable that his character could come out of this world. Right. Uh, but at that point I had stopped caring about the movie. I mean, once, once that was revealed, mm -hmm. I was kind of interested in that, but, but the world itself had pissed me off a little bit. So I'd kind of stopped caring. Yeah. I think after Rihanna was in the movie, I kind of, it completely ripped me out of the movie. Me like too. Rihanna doing a strip tease in like, Costumes from display and costume. Okay, was, from from Halloween. Yeah, yeah it's totally. House, yeah, like all like if it's on the rack for sexy women to wear, she wore it in that scene. It was it was not. It was clever. Insane. It wasn't cute. The, there was no commentary on. No. There was no sci-fi. It was like it was a weird music video that belonged somewhere else. It looked like it was a music video for her. It did. It was like, like edited and cut that way. I'll bet you she's gonna come out with a song for. I'll bet you she's on the soundtrack too. Yeah, and I think that was her over the credits at the end, right? I'm sure. Yeah, or I don't know. I'm not sure. It sounded like a like a something I've heard on Top Forty or something. Like okay. That. Yeah. yeah, it sounded really familiar. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to I cheesy. It was I haven't cheesy. like. Normally, when I go into movies like this, I read a little bit about what's happening. Like yeah. I look into the source material a little bit just out of curiosity. And this time I went in blind and uh, I just, I don't know. I'm so conflicted because there was some scenes in it that were beyond incredible. Mm -hmm. Like there was that scene where they're in that marketplace that's in another dimension. So fun. And Valerian's arm gets stuck in the other dimension. He has that to get was out. so fun, yeah. That was fantastic. And that was before you really understood who the characters were. Yeah. And it was so weird because there was this shift after that where they start doing like karate and <laughs> they turn into like superheroes basically. When in that first scene, you didn't, oh, yeah. you didn't really get any sense of that. Like Valerian starts running through walls and like yeah, flying why? through space. Where is that? Where's all this coming from? Yeah, it, it seemed like totally different characters in the beginning. But I, but the whole first probably like thirty or forty minutes, I was pretty spellbound. I mean, yeah. besides the love story, which I immediately hated, uh, yeah. like the the chase through the marketplace, the whole 
prologue on Mule was amazing. The that imagery, prologue was fucking incredible. The imagery in this movie was so stunning, mm-hmm. and the the beautiful sights and the the thought that went into it and the details I think are so fabulous. And I think if anything, you should see this movie for the for just the visuals of it because it yeah. really is two hours of just really beautiful visuals. Absolutely. And I think it's a really stunning movie. Um, and it's you know it's a little bit more action packed than something like Avatar, and it can hold your attention. However, you know these things that I feel like we're talking about are kind of like really digging deep into like the undertones of like here's some of the issues with sci-fi and and what sci-fi represents to us and, and right. what it should be doing and, and the doors that sci-fi it does have. like this movie dropped the ball for what I expect sci-fi to do. Sci-fi can do so much with these things that we're tackling right now, Absolutely. and it didn't. And if I wanted to see like misogyny. And, you know, like men flexing their shit. I would have gone and seen the new Fast and Furious movie. Like, I don't <laughs> need to see, you know, a sci-fi movie where so many doors can be opened up with gender and, you know, feminism and race politics yeah. and sexuality. Sci-fi is the one category of, of movies that I think has the ability to tackle this because you can go anywhere you want with it and really do it unapologetically. Yeah, and, absolutely. And not be looked at like, you know, oh, they're doing an action movie with gay people or, you know, the cast is all black or, you know, like, let's not make these Asian people the the commanders you know you can you can really take it there kind of like what star trek did yeah you know which they really took it there with with race and gender and giving strong you know roles to women and this just wasn't that right. and you can so do that with sci-fi unapologetically like i yeah. said and, and they just and there's like a, there's a sliver stuck. of it in the fifth element which yes. is something that also kind of disappointed me because i felt like the fifth, the fifth Element I love, but it's a movie that I had to watch a few times to mm-hmm. get. The first time, I remember the previews for it said, this is the, this is the next Star Wars. And I went no. to see it, I'm like, this, this is not the next Star Wars. Although Valerian tried to be the next Star Wars. Like, there was some yeah. straight up ripped off like shots. Like the ship. The ship the that ship Valerian like drove. Falcon. Yeah. yeah. And he did that like same maneuver. Falcon. Yeah, like, the same yeah. shit. And, like, and it's then they like were the in Death a garbage Star. room later. Yeah. It's like yeah. the Death Star. They're totally. driving around the Death Star, which is like, you know, the... the the planet, the thousand planets thing, it kind of, you know, oh, is, yeah, is really symbolic a of a Death Star because that's where the core of the issues are at. It's like the, the and, light. But the the what that was built off, though, was so beautiful. Yeah. The idea that it was like a space station orbiting Earth that like hooked up with other cultures on Earth and then eventually hooked up with other cultures around the galaxy. And now and now is like free floating in space. And there's well, like and it became, a thousand species represented species. there and it's such a cool idea the it's concept so it's beautiful so cool. and like such a rich fertile storytelling landscape and, and they sucked. only used it for visuals yeah like when he's barreling through the walls and you're going through all of like the different cultures yeah. like that's really the only time that you get a sense of how these cultures are connected or like when they go fight those uh like weird bullheaded people later yeah and yeah, slaughter yeah, yeah. all of them which really bothered me i know <laughs> and they literally just killed all these people and it was like the only reason y'all are in this trouble right now is because y'all are some trifling ass meddling ass kids yeah getting into trouble when you should just be you know like sticking to the assignment and not getting into trouble you know i, I don't right. know it was um it it, it was, was like troubling a it was troubling bit. yeah they yeah. were just childish it w- this like these people are given authority. Okay. And, and it wasn't, to me, it's not like the movie itself is troubling. I think that the lack of, the lack of insight by the filmmaker into mm-hmm. the type of stories that, sh- that I think need to be told right now, yeah. not necessarily should be told because like, who am I to tell another artist what to do ever? I'm no one to say this that. This is an but opinion though. There are, there are like huge problems in the world that can be addressed by people changing their perspectives. And for me, sci-fi is all about doing that because 
like you can show a story about the civil war and show you like the horror of war and that, or you can like, which I don't necessarily connect to. I mean, I, I right, like those either. movies can be really good, but it doesn't like, I'm saying, God, humanity is awful in the past, man. I wish we were better, but now when I'm I watch, depressed. when yeah. I watch star Trek, it's like, here's a better future. Here's yeah. like what humanity could be. And then you go to war and then you have to make decisions inside of that. What do you decide to do? Like that type exactly. of storytelling changes people's perspectives. And I, I wanted. I, I always want that from sci-fi. Maybe I'm just greedy. Like I want that from all sci-fi. You're not greedy because that is what should be happening with it. You know, I think. I think the biggest thing with sci-fi for me is it gives people hope. Yeah. And you know, you can you can create a world in the future that has troubles, but you can still create a positive resolution. Sci-fi mm-hmm. has the ability to take you somewhere that we're not right now, and it has the ability to take you into the future. And then I'm. I've always been a person. I'm not fascinated with the past at all i don't want to talk about the past let's move move forward forward. i just want to keep going like what's in the future i want to see the now i want to see the future what can happen with the world and that's where sci-fi takes me and that's why i'm so expectatious of it and i want to see this progressive future of humanity and and passion and and us moving forward and connecting as a conscious whole and and when i see movies that are so outdated in their themes and their you know ideologies like i'm like you wasted such a cool opportunity with such a cool concept and yeah. such a cool, and such a cool plot, and you and you wasted it on these lamos who are just like <laughs> fucking kids who just want to like bust a nut. And just yeah, like sucks. it was weird, and I felt like the director kind of wanted to get off a little bit. Like, yeah, I, I, this is a weird thing to say, but like I, uh, I watched these bizarre French movies a couple years ago mm-hmm. um, because they're like. I don't know. I I dive down some rabbit hole online where like what's like, like a movie they, with like yeah. mo- real movies with like real sex in them because sometimes yeah. you're curious. A you lot know? of French movies do that though. Yeah. So I I didn't know that. I was I was a few years ago. How long? This was like ten years ago. I would say. Mm-hmm. So I was like twenty two. So I'm in like the I'm in that place where like if you don't have someone to have sex with, you got to do something. You know. True. <laughs> You have to have a project. And for me, it was like, well, I'm going to watch these three French movies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but and it was so weird and kind of disturbing. And I walked away from it kind of traumatized. Like, Were they actually having sex in the film? Well, it felt like the director was was jerking himself off by having women do things in the movie. That's oh, that's what it felt like gotcha, from watching gotcha, gotcha. it. And this, complete, I, this did not satisfy what I was looking for. I was, yeah. you know, just like, I want to know. That it's real, man. That it's real, man. I just want to see it. Like, I want to see real passion in, in, like, side of a story. I think that'd be interesting. Because I was so horny. Like, a porn or something like that. You know, you want to see, like, actual. I'm all about, like, art porn. I I would love that. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. But there's. I watched one movie that almost got there. And it. uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was, like, a really interesting movie where you saw this couple have sex throughout the movie and it was real. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you kind of saw the degradation of their relationship through their sex life. Interesting. And it was really bizarre, but it kind of said something, you know, and I kind of got something out of it. And to me that made it feel like it was not, uh, uh, objectifying anyone. And like people all agreed to participate in in it willingly, I guess. And I don't know. Yeah. That's more, I love that. That seemed more artistic. It's really artistic and beautiful. Yeah. But then if you like look at the result, like the actress couldn't get hired in anything else. And it, it really, it was kind of awful what happened because she was like pigeonholed as being this person who you're just doing porn. Yeah. But the, but nothing bad happened to the man. I co- so I had this like weird interest in, in this world like yeah. years ago, and then it was so weird that I just like bailed. I'm like, I, this is not yeah. something I want to really continue. I watched 
like three movies by this one guy and by the third one I'm like this is I can't watch any more of these yeah. this is really disturbing me I think uh, the French film that the French films that I've seen I've seen a couple now where it's it's you know people are actually having sex but it's it's two men so oh, I think that I think that well I mean you know it's like it's like a gay film or yeah. like you know and there was one that I watched last year for the Twist Film Festival here and it's the gay and lesbian film festival that happens in Seattle and it was like this film where these two men are down in this sex club in Paris and they have sex and they're really having sex and it's great because they're normalizing it yeah. and it's ho- totally hot. Um, but then, you know, they end up liking each other and going home with each other and, um, and then one finds out that he wasn't wearing a condom and he's like, what were you doing? I have HIV. Oh my God. And so it's them at 4am in the morning, like going around Paris and going to this clinic and falling in love with each other and kind of like reconciling within each other wow. through this journey around Paris. And it was kind of beautiful. That you know what I mean? Amazing. And it was yeah. totally great. So, I mean, my, my experiences with, you know, French film and people actually having sex in the movie as, as you know, kind of artistic, but you can also have something hot and sexy, but you're yeah. right where a man is able to do that. It's, it's what people are, you know, it's, it's expected. Yeah, see, that kind of thing is kind of what I was hoping for, because I'm curious into what it would be like to watch a movie where there is, like, romantic tension or, or a mm-hmm. love story going on where you actually see them fuck, you yeah. know? I feel like that kind of intensifies so much about the story. I, on the other hand, it's like, it, it brings up all these questions for me of boundaries and working conditions and what was yeah. it like for them shooting it and... And then I get kind of freaked out because I'm like, well, what if they weren't treated well? And like, that's kind of horrible. And I saw, I I don't remember this French director guy's name, but I looked into it. It sounds like he treated women horribly. And it was just like, just meant to, I don't even know how, I think it like popped up on my Netflix feed somehow. It was Mm -hmm. like sexy French thrillers. And it was, it was in that category. I guess I don't. I don't know how I came about it, but I was like, that sounds, that sounds great. I'm into it. I'm into it. And I watched one. I was like, what the fuck? And then I watched I another, more, yeah. I was like, I don't know. I watched the third one, I was like, good God, please no. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. It was so weird. I think that there's something to be said about it, and especially that, you know, this happens to be a trend within, like, French culture where, you know, sex in itself is even desexualized because it's, it's just such a natural act that's, that's beautiful and you can... And you can personify it in so many ways into a movie, into yeah. so many different things, and there can, there can be... Um, like sex itself is personified into human emotion. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know, it seems like there's just deeper levels with it. And so you can, and And I think really into that. I think being turned on by sex in a movie, but still being invested, like involved, I think is just adding like another layer that totally, you know, you, you know, American censorship in movies. Like we were, we're totally overly sensitive to that. Whereas like, you know, you know, there are some films where they're like, Hey, you're allowed to be turned on and be horny. And then like also still be invested and involved in this. And that's totally normal. That's human. You can do that, you know, and then you can start crying and be angry about it, you know? Yeah. And you can totally feel these emotions because sexuality and being turned on is also another part of human emotion that we, that we censor, you know? Right. And it's like a, it's a healthy, positive thing that people are taught to not experience and totally. people are taught to fear and i think that that kind of sucks and that's what can also lead to the to the over sexualization of women yeah. and and why we censor breasts so much and why why you know we have to like keep everything desexualized to not get a man riled up you know it's really like it's really fucked up because this you know being desensitized to sex and our emotions with sex is where a lot of misogyny comes from and where a lot of yeah. like victimization of women comes from and and it really fucks a lot of things up for us and a lot of it comes from commerce it's like 
sex sells mm-hmm. so people yeah. use sex to sell but and then didn't this sell that way yeah like i i was thinking about that when i was watching valerian because rihanna was like like this is in the sci-fi world like she was presenting something that should be irresistible to men you know right like this is what sells and it's just like this version of women that is just so outdated and unattainable too yeah and honestly like i don't know a little offensive to me. Me too. Um, yeah. It was and offensive. it was just presented as if like, that's what men are supposed to want. And I feel like in this situation, you shouldn't do that. Like yeah. you should think forward, think into a sci-fi future. So if you show a version of it, that's maybe even more extreme. So, so much so that it's upsetting yeah. and it kind of shows you, Oh, maybe there's something wrong with that. Then that could be positive. Or if it like shows a different version of humanity where they like show it to you in a way that's like, beautiful and respectful and like makes you like it's a you know like people like firefly i think did the best job of this where inara sells her own sexuality mm-hmm. but it's kind of on her terms and in a way that brings her respect yeah and in, in a community and she's a, like a powerful member of the community because of it i thought that was a really interesting version of like sci-fi sex work that i'd never seen and this like this was the one place in the movie where they kind of abandoned science fiction entirely it's just like what would uh, arouse like a bunch of like present like, day horny, like, present day lumberjacks too. or sailors or something it wasn't even futuristic takes on sexuality exactly either. yeah and it was like really like 2017 like what are we gonna go find at castle like let's put it on <laughs> yeah, totally you know like and it was just really outdated for it, a, it didn't fit in the sci-fi movie it was so weird it, it was so felt weird. wrong it and felt, it felt objectifying place. like yeah. it was like i know she got a nice big check for that so get it good on you girl yeah but you know um and the thing that really also fucks me up is you know also um uh when I, you know, on uh, social media with Rihanna being involved in the movie, she's obviously like, you know, a PR stunt. Um, she was just in it for for publicity. And so she's showing up to the, all these premieres and people are starting to comment on her body now um, because it looks like she's a little bit thicker, a little bit fuller, and a lot of her Ugh. outfits aren't as flattering. So it's just really funny to me how, um, you know, like let's apply like real world concepts with this movie. Like the fact that Rihanna is here to be sexualized and be publicity for this movie and to just like basically like personify sex, right. you know, um, and then that's how the media and is then like, that's how the media is. And that's how the media is advertising as her. like a performer or yeah, a, exactly or like someone it with just talent and skill her. who's come to the, cause Rihanna is like amazing. I mean, she's she is so amazing. She's talented. a mogul. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, like some of her music I, I actively dislike, but some of it I really, really love, mm-hmm. you know, that she has, I think umbrella is fucking amazing. Like, yeah. I think that's uh, the first time I heard that. I'm like, this is what pop music sounds so like. good. You know, it's well, yeah, her new so album's sharp really and clean good. And everything's really, yeah. everything's really amazing. But, um, but she also has some music videos where I feel like she's being objectified, but it's totally, seems like she's, but she's in charge. Maybe but she's in charge of it. Yeah. She controls really interesting. her sexuality. I don't, I, I don't know how to feel about that. I think it's about using um, the misogyny that's already in place and taking charge of it and knowing what your body can get you in this world. And to me, that's empowerment because you can work within the systems. You, you can't eradicate a system, but as a female body person who's sexy and she knows it she is working within the system to take advantage of it yeah. and to me it reads I, as Rihanna yeah, taking advantage of it for me i i feel like i i feel like the system is so fucked up you it know, is it is that to like find a way maybe find a way a, around a fucked up system instead of trying to find yeah, a way through I it agree. would maybe be my preference but that's her, that's her choice and you know she's very successful but she's also and making money i really like a lot of what she does but, For sure, but and I thought that she, 
her performance in this movie was was fine. It was more interesting than the two of them. Yeah, as a character, she was like, actually as a really a good actress. Kick, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed her as a sidekick. I was like, I thinking, wish she lasted longer. Totally, the yeah. budget just did not allow. Yeah, it's like the only character that kind of felt like that it had any heart. Yeah, uh, everything of, else was so stiff. But but still, I felt like it was just the most bizarre addition to the movie. And it was so most random. of her screen time was that one dance scene. The, yeah, and, and it reminded me of Metropolis. Actually, have you seen that? Uh-uh. It's one of the first sci-fi movies ever. It's like oh, a, a hundred years old or something. I did an episode on it what the recently fuck? where I watched it for the first time. And there's an ep- there's like a part in the middle where this woman who is an android uh, like puts on a show for men and it's so creepy. She's like kind of trying to control them with her body. Um, and it's really creepy. And I felt like this was kind of similar except that they try, but, but they didn't make it creepy. You know, they made it like sexy this is what men like here you go this is what you're gonna like right this this will get people in the theater if we have Rihanna in a bikini yeah but I I hate that I I, it's the seven of nine problem all over again yeah but kind of going back to like um, you know like how they utilized her to be this sexy PR stunt and how she's being you know um, she's being used to be just a body and a face and to be this fantasy for men. And then for yeah. people to attack her on social media, calling yeah. her now there, people are calling her like a plus size model <laughs> and saying these things. Cause she's standing to a legitimate, like rail thin model, like Cara Delevingne, like, and she's like in all these photos next to her and people are like attacking her for being fat and thick. And I was like, y'all, she was literally used in this movie to be sexy. And now you're attacking her for being fat. It's so fucked up. Yeah. And it's disgusting. It's just, so there's, there's a lot of like problems that I see with this movie, but my overall rating, uh, I would say I'm going to, I'm not going to give it, I'm going to give it a six out of 10. Yeah. A six, uh, a six out, of, out 10. of ten. Oh wait, or a movie standards like a like a out of five stars. No, I like that. That's I, good because it gives me a little bit more room to say like you know I didn't. I'm not going to give it a, exactly like a fail, but I would yeah. give it a pass on the sense that <laughs> you should see it for the visuals. I think watching it in 3D would be really fun for you because the whole part of the movie for me was just the visuals. You know what I yeah. mean? It was really just seeing the fun graphics. And if you watch it in 3D, it'll be a little bit more exciting. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would give it. Like a four. Okay. Where, <laughs> um, but, um, but that four is like a very enthusiastic four. Like right. that four really had fun. Yeah. But the other six is like, uh, come on. Okay. Movie. I changed my answer. You really swayed me. Yeah. I'd give it like a four. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to be nice. I didn't know what you're going to say, but yeah, it sucked. Um, yeah. Like in that moment. Yeah. But it's weird. Cause like, I'm glad I saw it. You know, I yeah, enjoyed it yeah. as a movie. I enjoyed the visuals. I took away this like textural feeling that was so pleasing yeah, in a way that reminded me of the fifth element. Yeah. But I, it also, but emotionally like my head just couldn't stop spinning around how like the emotional storytelling was just so sloppy. Well, I was comparing Valerian and, um, Lila, uh, what's her name again? Lilu. I know. Okay, I want to say Lilu because now I'm going to, what's, what's her name again? Uh, Oh, oh, from this movie. From Uh, this movie. Sorry. Loreline? Loreline, yeah. Is that right? Lorelai, Loreline. Anyway, so I was comparing Loreline and Valerian's relationship uh-huh. to that of like Lilu and, and and Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis and the so immortal I was, Bruce their, Willis. Their relationship was so good. And I wanted to see that love story. And when and it just kinda copied that, you know, the end they end up you know, consummating their relationship in the fifth element in that, you know, in that healing chamber with Lilu and things like that. And there was also so similar, like love is the, is the thing. Is the 
key. Love is the key. But it was their, almost the exact same message at the theirs end. Theirs was so good, and it was such. It was so well acted, and it was it was so different because love. You know that whole concept of like love is the key. You know yada yada. Love was, is more powerful than anything else. Than the, than yeah. all the the other things. You know, I think that it was just so organic, and I liked their love story so much more, and I was vying for that so much more because Lilu actually tied into the story so much more because uh-huh. she was the story. Yeah. Whereas in this, there was that A and B concept, and it's just this stiff teenage yeah. love story. Yeah, I mean, technically, Lilu is that. kind of the fifth element, so in that she, way, yeah. she's the title character. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so the title character in this had nothing to do with what I actually found fascinating. And yeah, it, absolutely. It really not. just kind of felt like a, a recreation of that. And, you know, and I'm also disappointed because both of them being such like fashion, sci fi movies, you know, I, I love yeah. that, and I love seeing strong. And I, know, I want more of that. I, I want more I, fashion sci-fi yeah, movies. And I, I love, love it. I love seeing strong gender and race politics represented in sci-fi because that's what I think we need to be doing. Totally. And so seeing, you know, um, um, Chris Rock, Chris Rock's, or is it Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Chris Rock's character. No, no, no. Uh, Chris Tucker. Chris, Chris Tucker. Who's Chris Rock even? Um, <laughs> one of the Chris. One of the Chris actors. Is. Chris Tucker. Sorry. Um, I'm not the biggest movie buff, but seeing, you know, back in Fifth Element, you know, having like a strong role like Chris Tucker, like, you know, playing that superstar, like totally effeminate and flamboyant, you know. Ruby Rod. Yeah. This, yeah, this character who's just like such a, like ladies and men fall for him. Yeah. And he's just like, uses his like feminine libido to attract everyone. And it was such a cool, <laughs> strong role. And so original. And like so I've original. never seen a character like that before Nobody. or since. Yeah. It's, it's a brilliant character. The whole movie was so brilliant. I, yeah. Honestly, I wish that, that we went and saw Fifth Element. In the scene. I know that would have been amazing. I want to watch it right now. I know. <laughs> I love that movie. But, but yeah, you feel you feel the message of, of the Fifth Element being like, yeah, love is powerful and love is good. You know, like op- open yourself to love and good things will happen. Like that's that's a brilliant message for a sci-fi it movie was. to have. It was. And this one tried. Like it said a lot of the same words, which yeah. actually, I'm glad you mentioned because like I forgot about that. Like there's the whole concept, movie yeah. comes down to. Like Loreline trying to convince Valerian to make a decision out of love. Of love, and this is because what love, love is, is what yeah. makes you know the impossible possible. And you need and to learn like what that. love is before you can love me. You know, kind yeah. of deal. Ugh. It was that, and I was like, but they, they tried to do something so similar to Fifth Element, but just like a little tweaked in a way that kind of fucked it up, and I didn't care. Yeah, and I think you know it's a really amazing concept that in this movie um, came off as really tired. And yeah. I didn't like it so much. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, four stars. I agree with you, Jesse. I think that what made it really fun was watching it with you. I agree. Yeah. What a fun day. <laughs> we should do this again. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll watch another one soon. Let's do it. I'd yeah. love to have you back anytime. Yay. Yeah. I love that. Well, Colin Fitzgerald, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Like, I know you do all sorts of exciting shit. Yeah. I mean, why not? So, um, well, I mean, this podcast is very exciting for me. Um, but, you know, um, so I uh, work for Jetspace Magazine, and I'm a nightlife promoter. So, uh, you know, check me out on jetspacemagazine.com if you want to put a face to the voice. And you can check out everything that's hot and happening in Seattle every weekend. And you can check me out for exclusive interviews with local Seattle talent. Nice. Well said. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. This was great. Thank I had you so much. What a fun day. Yeah. It what was a great awesome. way to spend a Thank day. Thank you for yeah. hanging out with me.
Did we talk about the recliners and the chairs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have to mention. That kind of threw me off a little bit. I, I was yeah. really into it, though. The, the chairs, like, fucking reclined. There and they like, were, like, recliners. There they was, like, a foot swivel rest. desk oh, my God. that you could put your soda and your, your shit on, like, your food. And then there was like electronic reclining, and it was, it was like it was so like a spacious, like small, intimate theater. I was like, did we go to like IPix or something? Yeah, like, like downtown that? Seattle. I had no idea. I know. I wished I had a blanket, but it was very fun. Yeah. It was like a nice. Your, it was a really nice cold. room. Yeah. My feet were cold. It was a nice room to like watch a movie in. Yeah, you know? it was cool. It's you know uh, Meridian Regal, Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. So total of uh, of eight out of twenty, I guess. If we're gonna say eight or, out of twenty, four. let's do yeah. that. Let's give it a little bit four, more. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. Two out of five. Five. Is it that? It is that, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> 13% on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Long story yeah. short, maybe go see it. Maybe go see it if you have nothing else to do and you want to um, see some fun visuals. Totally. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Gone. Cool. Thank you. Your destiny is in your hands. I taught him how to do that. There's a couple things that I have to share with you that pertain to this conversation. So after Colin and I finished recording, I actually went to Wikipedia and read a little bit about Valerian. Originally, uh, it was based off of a French comic called Valerian and Loreline, which I thought was so interesting because one of my biggest problems with the movie was that it was called Valerian when it is in fact about this couple, Valerian and Loreline. And it felt so strange to me that it was just named after Valerian, which we touched on a little bit in the discussion. So originally it was named Valerian and Loreline. And I think that's very strange that they changed the title to just represent the male character of that duo of characters. Uh, something else that I learned is that Luke Besson actually financed this movie independently. He wanted to make it. He raised all the money. He did it himself. It's, I, I believe I read that it was the, the most expensive uh, independently financed movie ever. So Luke Besson had a lot of control over what we saw on the screen. Uh, and for better or for worse, I feel like that is uh, necessarily a part of this conversation. Anyway... If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the show description. For my Patreon supporters, I do make a premium podcast, uh, which you can also purchase for $1 per episode uh, individually, just to try it out to see if you like it. And if you want to subscribe, it's 2 bucks a month on Patreon. It, it doesn't just get you that premium podcast. It also supports this show and its creation. Speaking of that, huge thank you to Zach Gandra, who was on the show for the last two episodes and then just signed up as my newest Patreon supporter, which really, really meant a lot to me. I thought that was so sweet. So thank you, Zach. Uh, and if you'd like to check that out, links are in the description. Um, my website, jessemercury.com, is where you can find all of my work, including my sci-fi synth pop album. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, really means a lot to me. I love doing this shit. I really love it. This episode was so much fun. It was like a nice, quick, hour-long conversation that was really easy to release the very next day. And it reminded me how easy podcasting can be because sometimes it gets really difficult. Uh, so this was super fun, and I really appreciate appreciate you listening. Preach. Thank you. <laughs> so until next time, stay nerdy out there. Yeah.